Oh, oh. Ludacris, third album, still whooping they ass. Still travel overseas with over 10,000 cash. Enough money in the chain to keep a country fed. People ask why the skull is because I like it. And they wonder if I'm good. Hell yeah, it's a great feeling. I got bones tall as the Empire State Building. What more could I want? I get it and waste it. Only thing left to take is Rap City in the basement. Snatch the furniture or here's the plan. Kidnap Big Tigger and hold him for 10 grand. Tell BET if they want to see him again. Bring free Sanai Lathan and a bottle of gin so I could get right to it. The game, I just threw it. Why I keep going? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the Name is Podcast. It's your host, it's underscore Tribbles. We have our luxurious uh, co-host today, Marcus Sniffles, and Summertime Sci. How are y'all feeling today? Oh, I'm feeling great. Feeling great. really good. Sai, what, what you feeling? Feeling like? pretty good. Pretty feeling good. Pretty Did y'all good. go vote today? In a loop. Did we vote today? You know, today is election day for those who are going to press play on this tomorrow. Yes. Did you vote? Everybody vote? So I voted. I halfway voted. We'll see if my, my joint counts. I oh, wow. hope it does. Halfway I've, voted? How do you halfway, halfway vote? Halfway. It's, it's currently in the mail, hoping to get there very soon. Oh. I hope it got counted. So. Okay, well, we're, we're going to, everybody send prayers up that her votes get counted, her voice is heard. Please. Um, I, voted, I voted last week, so I was kind of an early voter. Uh, yeah, really early. I didn't want to stand in the lines. Like, if I had to stand in lines today, I wasn't voting. I shouldn't but, do that. Um, Early voting would have been the right move. Yes, yeah, yeah. But today we got special guests. Like I know you guys are typically my special guests every episode, but we're all regulars now. But we have a real special guest producer uh, by the name of Jay. So Jay, talk to our listeners of <clears throat> the Nameless Music Podcast. Hi everybody, how you guys doing? This is uh, Jay Muse. Happy to be here. Uh, all right. Producer. Up-and-coming <laughs> producer. Okay, okay. Uh, so just, I guess, quick question if people get a feel of who Jay is as the producer. What made you fall in love with hip-hop or what made you want to become a producer? Uh, so quite honestly, uh, I would say it was influences from um, from Timberland, Pharrell, and uh, who else am I thinking of? Mostly like Timberland, Pharrell. Those are the ones that kind of got me into it. Um, and then... I did it since I was in high school, always uh, played around with tracks, making making beats. And then uh, my friends kind of pushed me into it because I wasn't taking it serious, but they liked everything I was creating. So eventually it got to a point where one, another one of my friends, he started creating some beats. And I was like, yo, if this fool out here creating beats, I got it. <laughs> you know? but, uh, but it was a good thing, though, because he was dope. So uh, it kind of pushed me to kind of jump in. Well, I'm glad you're making beats. Like, I guess what's one beat that kind of changed your life or your perspective on music alone? If you could pinpoint a beat or a few beats. Mmm, man, that's a that's a tough one. That's like, man, that's a tough one. Well, let me, let me ask, I'll ask it's a like, easier question. Let, go I'm going to let you meditate on that. We'll come back to that. Go ahead. Right now on the radio or, you know, what's ever on the pop and Spotify or iTunes charts, like, what song production wise do you hear and it just makes you be like, damn, I wish I could have came up with that or something like that? Mm. That's another hard one. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always saying that because like it's so many different things that like you hear and that you like that you uh, you'll stick stick with you for different reasons why you want to kind of like be like, man, I wish I would have did that. That was a, that was a nice one to do. Um, but I'll say like uh sicko mode, like yeah. uh 
from Travis Scott. That was uh when I heard that I was like, whew, okay, all right. Yeah. That's I don't know, Sicko Mo, when we yeah. when we do our end of the year wrap up, that I gotta give that that song itself some credit. But yeah. um we got Jay on today because apparently we're gonna talk about production, like the state of production, the the I guess each every each and every producer that's out right now, we'll kind of take a deep dive in. But for right now, most people click play on this podcast to hear our awesome album reviews. So we have a few albums we're gonna uh, kind of go through today. Last week we had what like ten drops, um, whether major or minor. One being Vince Staples. Um, so Sniffles, you wanted to talk about Vince Staples? I'm gonna let you lead this off. Let's what, what's going on with Vince Staples. Yeah, apparently I'm the only one who fucks with Vince Staples here. <laughs> and that's that's disappointing. I, listen, I thought everybody I liked listen, Vince Staples. I listen. You okay. Well, it's it's a pretty it's a short album. Uh you could even call it an EP because it's it is that short. It's like under 25 minutes. Uh this is a Vince Staples that a lot of people fell in love with. He's back on that gangster crip you know, thug life in California. Like he's very, he's very honest on this album as far as like what his life or what the California lifestyle is. The only, it, it's a dark album, but the stuff around it is pretty light as far as the uh, the things that he does with uh, Big Boy, the uh, radio host out in California. It's yeah. almost like it's almost like you're listening to the radio. Like you have the intro for Big Boy's radio. He's like, "All right, this is what we're doing. We're gonna listen to this song." The transitions are really smooth. It's super cohesive. And Vince Staples is one of those artists who is not gonna try to fit in a box. Like oh, he, definitely. he easily could have put out a short EP of like five just radio tracks, just radio singles after single. And he'd have been fine doing that. People would have been okay and no one would have said nothing about it. But for him to kind of take a chance and try something different and play his album as if it's a radio is it's pretty risky because people don't listen to the radio in 2018. Like we don't listen to the radio for hours at a time, even 30 yeah. minutes at a time. We listen to the radio. The only time I listen to the radio is when I get in the car and I'm plugging my iPhone in like that. Yeah, five second, the Bluetooth, the Bluetooth yeah, the that five-second window was like, oh, this is on radio. Click, come off of that. Like, it's it's a bold move, and I thought it was. I think this is out of all the the albums that came out this weekend, this is the one I keep going back to. Oh, and, really? Yeah, I was just about I, to ask you, like, with the instant replay value. Like, can you see yourself? Like, really? I, keep going back to I don't account. know. For I, me, I think it was just it was too many skits. Like, I'm a person I love a skit, especially if it makes an album cohesive. So I won't take away that the skits were not cohesive. I just think he overdid it. Um, I think it, again, it fits the theme of the album and what he was trying to do. Cause I mean, the album is called FM. So, you know, FM is the usual radio, you know, that's the width, the, the broadband, I guess, width that we listen to. So, I mean, it makes sense, but I just didn't really care for how it was executed. Um, if that makes any sense. I had a few, I, I love Don't Get Chipped. I will say I do go back and play that song. Um, but for me being like, I, I won't say I'm like a huge Vince Staples fan as far as his music. I love him as a person. I love watching yes. his interviews. He's yes. very, he's very intellectual. An awesome um, talker. Yeah, he, he he does really, 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 really good at interviews. So I'm more of a Vince Staples, the people person fan, more than more so the music. Um, 
I don't think if you're not into his style of music, I don't think this will make you become a fan. Um, I didn't. I won't say I hated the album, but again, I don't think this is a top, you know, ten, top five rap album of 2018. I I think I, it's just I, too I, much heat out for Vince Staples to make that. But that's just that's to me. I'm not taking away from his artistry though. I think it's a solid project. I just don't think that's going to convert people that don't know Vince Staples. Vince Staples music if that makes sense I feel like what's really interesting is that it's 11 tracks long but only 22 minutes like I don't understand what kind of songs you can give me I don't understand 11 songs being 22 minutes and well, I'm guessing a lot of it is skits but yeah, it's skits. yeah. I mean they have like the like track 5 9 and 10 like 5 is like a little interlude for Earl Sweatshirt number 9 is an interlude for Tiger and then there's a couple songs that only have like two verses to it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a short, quick album, but every time. I mean, I, honestly, you pull the skits out, you're looking at like a seven to eight track album. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, you know, every, that good music kind of fall. Every time I've listened to it, I've listened to it all the way through. I've never just been like, oh, let me just go to this song or let me just skip this one. I've listened to it like, because it's so short, it's super easy to listen to. But yeah, it's, it's, there's some heavy stuff in this. Like, as far as like living, I don't know. Have y'all y'all probably haven't seen the video for uh, the song "Fun"? Oh no, I didn't watch the video. There, there's a video for it. And it's essentially like uh, like if you do like Google Maps, you can kind of zoom in on certain places, move the camera around, stuff like that. And it's essentially a video of that happening, and they're going to like different places in the area that he lives in, and it's like you're from the outside looking in watching uh, California like watching people interact and what they do and all that stuff. And then at the end of the video, it shows this white kid like on Google Maps doing that. And then like you hear his mom in the background yelling at him for to do something. He shuts the computer and leaves. And that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like you're on the outside getting a peek into that California lifestyle. Like oh. if you're not from California, if you're not of that area, you probably are like, what is, what is this? Like lowriders? What, what? Like, in and out burgers, stuff like that. There's certain things that only people from that area know about. And that's what Vince is about. And that's what be like every feature on this album, they're all from California. Like there's it's not it's all West Coast for him. I think we give we give and when I say we, I'm saying the culture, like we give Atlanta a lot, but we don't really look at the unity that's out in California. Like I mean West Coast is running it. West, West Coast, Coast West right Coast now. are really like they're really unified. They you know they even go to the to the expansion of like gang culture. Like you'll see the fact that Nipsey and YG has a song like that was strictly a Cali move. That's like we putting the Crip blood shit aside like this is for Cali. And I think we oftentimes overlook that because Atlanta is just so loud with it and Cali is just kind of like I support him. Like, I don't have to, you know, be up in every video, but if homie drop an album or, you know, whatever the case may be, like, I'll hop on it or I'll, you know, post it on Instagram or whatever I have to do to show my support. So I just think that was, I think you pointing that out, that he only had Cali features. It just, it speaks a testament of, like, California rappers, period. Like, if you go on a lot of their albums, it's not many, unless they're signed to, like, a huge major label, most of their features are based within California. Unless they're like an R and B kind of, you know, feature yeah, or whatever. Californians, it's it's almost like a another country, like California and Texas. Those are two like, <laughs> totally different places. Hey, most Um, so it's crazy because like while we're talking about barred up, I I realized we skipped summertime's bar segment. Like we gotta go back. 
Like I was so ready to get. We it. did, I but I wasn't gonna say nothing. No, but we but <laughs> we're gonna we gonna get it. Like we're gonna get it cracking. Like let's let's do it. All right, let's I'm gonna it. give y'all something super easy because no, we, one, well, no, I'm kind of lazy and don't really feel like digging in crates right now. Um, but I mean it's it's it's, I mean, how hard do y'all want it to be? You know, I wanted well, to we got make Jay it here. Fair. Jay is the producer, so he listens to a lot of rap. So he know. Let's go. Well, he's he does R and B, so I don't know. Jay, I do rap too. I do rap. I do rap too. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Well, let's get it cracking in. All right. Um, you ain't gotta operate the easy way. I made a G today, but you gotta make it in a sleazy way. Selling crack to the kid, I gotta get paid. Well, hey, that's the way it is. Ooh, I want to guess. What? But I don't want to be too. Come on, I, I I know who it is. It, right. Getting me on these is knowing the song. Like I know who that is. I know who it is. I just don't know. The is song. it a West Coast rapper? It is a West Coast okay. rapper. Is right, he dead? Is he dead? He is dead. So it's easy. No, no, God, no, no, absolutely not. What? I would go do this again. Who's <laughs> from the West Coast? Is dead. That's. You gotta operate the easy way. I made a G today. It's really the easy. It's really the easy way that I stopped listening. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. I made a G today, but you gotta make it in a sleazy way. Selling cracks to the kid, I oh, get to get two paid. Okay, two pack. Two pack. Not. I was gonna say. Can't say two pack. All right. What's the name of the song? All right. Um. Let's do that. Changes. Again. Yes. It is changes. Yeah. I knew. I knew. That was it. I That's how I know it was easy because I got it. Listen, I like right. I was the guy. She said easy. I was like, okay, well, I hear the cadence. Well, like I wanted, and I was like, this guy be easy. E. And then because yeah. he was like, oh, he's dead. I'm like, oh, that's definitely easy then. Yeah, I wanted to make it in 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 inspiration of voting today. So I wanted to pick some songs that you know has something you to do. You should have done My president's black. And make us the mask. I thought about it, but <laughs> nah. All right, so. All right. Um, so before we get to the second, the second part of our bar segment, no one like tweeted our page and told us what last week's was. So I decided that I'm going to add another dollar to it. So I said, she's going to match it. So now it's $12 floating for for an easy bar for an easy bar. All you have to do is listen to this podcast and tweet us at the committee pod on Twitter and Marcus will let us know who the first person was and you will receive $12 just knowing rap music. So, Sai, what do we have to this week? Like, we're going to, and also, for those who are listening, if you don't get this, we're going to just keep adding $2 a week. You know, we're doing this, like, lottery style. You know, so, summertime, what's what's popping this week? All right. Let me, let me see. Let me see, let me see. All right. One thing about the men that's controlling the pen, that write history, they always seem to white out their sins. Maybe we'll never see a black man in the White House again. I write a check to the IRS. My pockets get slim. Mm. I'm pretty sure I know that one is, too. This is for the listeners, right? Yeah, this is yes. for, yeah please, please right. do not give the answer because I All don't right. really want to give people $12 this week. So. Yeah, I don't either. I want to see how high I can get up, but if you if you know the answer to that, please make sure that you hit <laughs> that you hit us uh, up on Twitter at the Committee Podcast page, and we will get the money to you, preferably Cash App, because that'll be easier for me. For sure. So I'm, I'm gonna tweet it out right now, um, and then y'all can do y'all thing and retweet it. All right. Well, 
now that we had to kind of go back, let's jump back into the album reviews. Sorry, sorry for skipping you, but seeing that you're saying that Jay is an R&B producer and we have an R&B album that, or a project, we won't call this an album, but an R&B EP or project that we're talking about. Her dropped part two of I Used to Know Her. Um, So I'm just throwing this out there and whoever speaks first, like, how do we feel about this? Because I have, I I think my feelings are going to be the opposite of everyone else's. How how are we feeling about hers volume two of uh, I used to know her because she released so part one when was part one was released like a few months ago if I'm not yeah mistaken. I think like maybe two months ago yeah um maybe like back in August but I don't know triples my our opinions might be the same this time because I was kind of like all right this is different and I was expecting and I love her because. She's, I think she's a phenomenal just artist, musician, singer, everything. And I was super excited about part one and it got me even more excited about part two. But I feel like she was trying to take a different sound with this one, which I'm not mad at. I'm not mad at her exploring a different sound. I just, I don't know. I guess I was wanting more of a part one. I was wanting more from like her earlier EPs. Like I was looking for that sultry just sound. And this, I kind of got, I feel like it was like a little country influence or, you know, It just didn't stick to me. It didn't, it did none of the songs, and let me say this first, they sound good, but none of them stick to me. Like, I can go on the, you know, volume one of I Used to Know Her and give you two or three songs where I'm like, I have to play those consistently. Like, they feed me. I can go to... Um, what was the name of the first project you put out with Focus on it? And well, so it. that was originally like I think two different EPs, and then she ended up like scrapping that idea and she um, put it into just like one complete project. Well, whatever that project was, um, that was amazing. Like that, I think that was the sound I was looking for. And like you said, right. she, she tried something new with this project, and it didn't sound horrible, but it was not what I her project. You know, I. Usually, and I mean, she's tried it before to give us different sounds on on other projects, but it's like a song or maybe two. Like this one was just very, very top heavy of her trying to go into a new creative lane, and it, and it's nothing wrong with that. But I just think with these, like with both Volume One and Volume Two being a, a introduction or a little sample of what we're supposed to get. I didn't really like this sample. Like, if I'm in Sam's Club and I walk across the table and I get my free sample, I'm not going to finesse my way back to come back to this album. Here's what I will say, though. The sound wasn't necessarily as um, impressive as I thought it was going to be, but her writing, like, her songwriting skills are really, really good. And I think that that's one of the things that stood out to me on this EP was the fact that, like, she really digs deep into her soul and to her experiences to write, you know what I'm saying? Like a well thought out song, like unlike Summer Walker, who just gives us like a verse and it walks away. Like, I feel like <laughs> at least with her, she at least gives us a couple verses of substance and a good hook and, you know, can make us feel the emotions that she felt like, you know, the song contents. I think if you're like going through it or if you're just like trying to find yourself, you might, be able to identify with it you might like it a little bit more but i mean if you're not in that space like emotionally or mentally it's kind of like it just flies over your head but i don't know i'm with you it was, it was kind of like i was disappointed i'm not gonna lie like yeah it was 
I will. I'm gonna say this. It gave me that my tie disappointment. Like I was so ready for this project, and I felt like the artist was capable of delivering. And then I get it, and it, I just was underwhelmed. So, um, Jay, what like what did you think about it? You're you're into R and B. You're in production. How did the production sound? Like, were you feeling the content? So I'm gonna be the uh, the, the enemy of today. Uh, I haven't actually listened to her new joint, the drop. Um, but um, I mean, overall, I like her as an artist, you know. Um, so I'm sure when I hear it, I probably can catch a vibe of it. But it's kind of different um, with producers. Like a lot of times, you're not as anxious to listen to all the newest stuff to drop, just because you don't want to uh, mess up your sound too much. Um, and, every, and everyone's different with it. Some people like to do it, uh, but everyone sits differently. For me, I kind of go in and out, you know, of what's uh, what's new, what's happening. But if I did listen, I would have comment, give you a proper comment on how I felt. But uh, <laughs> I don't want to mess that up. <laughs> hey, look, because Twitter listens. Some of my listeners, they'll get into you if you don't say what you want them to say. Oh, so, um, Sniffles, did, did you have a chance to listen? Like, what, what were you feeling about her? Uh, yeah, uh, I did. I listened to it a bunch of times. This might have been the my second favorite release that wow. came out this year. <laughs> what? 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 what I, I don't I mean, know. I listen I to can't, it a lot. It's not, it's not that it's a bad project. That's the thing. It's not that it's a bad project. I just feel like I wanted more ballads. Like, I wanted yes. more. It is, yes. it is different. Yes. It is different from what she did. Like, the first, like you said, the first, like, where she had, like, that first little EP and then the second one and then she put them both together. Like, I really right. like that. Where, right. Uh, this this one when I was listening to it, there was a couple of things that she said, and there were a couple of songs in here where I was like, "Well, she was she was so open and vulnerable about herself that I was uncomfortable." I was like, yeah. "I was like, am I supposed to be listening to this?" Like, she this said, is... "You can't." She said, "You can't help me." I said, "Okay." I was like, "Did you know that people were gonna hear this? Like, I'm listening to this in public. Like, people can hear you. Like, this isn't like your own personal diary or journal. Like." People that is around how the felt. world are listening to this. That is definitely how it felt. It felt like that, that's what I was saying about like her songwriting skills it being was, it flexed was, on this yeah. project because she pulled from her like experiences and you knew it. There was no fit. It was like you knew that nobody else wrote this for her but her. Literally. Yeah. You know, there's some out, there's, there's some dude out there that's listening to this and it's like right. like goddamn, like she really gonna put me out there like that. Like I know. Yeesh. I'm interested to see what like her full project is gonna be like. What what role she takes? If she's gonna take this kind of upbeat tempo, or she's gonna take the ballad approach and slow it down. I think there's gonna be I some think... some rapping on there because there was some rapping no. on the first one. God no, yeah, true. Oh yeah, she tried that Lauren Hill type thing. It's coming. It's I, I listened to her interview with Ebro. She said that she's if. She could do a rap album, like a rap album type like that. See, I think what she's doing, I think with, the, with putting these two projects out, her and her team are kind of getting a feel of, of what we expect from her. Um, so I think we'll still see some some cuts on the album that are kind of like similar to what we got on volume two. But I think it'll sound mostly like volume one. Because I think volume one was a really good, decent blend of them both. Like her trying the up-tempo one with, I think, I forget the name of the first track, but... Um, that first track she would be you know just doing that kind of going throwback but still putting her spin on it I think she's going to try that but thinking about like could have been with Bryson Tiller like 
that's yeah. about. Like, it's a reason she put that video out because that song, it sticks, it works. Everyone, you know, that's of age, that's been in some type of relationship, like you can identify, you can, can relate to, you know, some of that subject matter. So I think she'll feed us with the subject matter. I'm just very interested to see the approach that she takes moving forward, like with compiling her debut album. So shout out to her, decent project. I say go try it out, like, you know, quick quick review, go listen to it. I don't think it'll stick with most people, but, you know, music is subjective. That's what they tell us. Um, so next album up, we did a semi-quick dive on his group mate, Quavo. Um, but Takeoff released The Last Rocket on Friday. Um, he had the lead single, The Last Memory, which I thought was a very dope project. But he gave us 11 tracks, was it? Or 11 or 12? I think it was 11. And shout out to him for doing that. So Most happy definitely. he did that. Most definitely. Just want to make, I just want to confirm it. It was 12. It was outro. Oh, so, it was 12? Um, okay. Yeah, was, I think it was 11 songs like with vocals on it and 12 was outro. But um, gave us 12 tracks. I personally enjoyed it. I thought, and I said this last week, I felt that we were going to be able to hear true the true lyrical quote unquote content of the Migos via takeoff on this project. And I think we got it. He he focused solely on himself. I think he only had one um feature, which was Quavo earlier on in the um album. I think it was actually track two, She Gonna Wink. Was Quavo on that song? But he made he made us focus on takeoff. It was like, did takeoff get left off of bad and bougie? Possibly, but here is takeoff right here for 12 tracks. Like you can listen, like it or love it, but it's just him. And I think comparing it to Quavo, we saw a lot of features. And you know, a lot of times features are what save projects or save albums a lot of times because the said artist doesn't deliver. So I think takeoff took a huge, 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 huge like risk of just putting himself out there. But in my opinion, it pays off the replay value. Not really high because it does, a lot of it sounds like Migos music. And if you're not really a huge fan of Migos or you can't take them in dose, uh, a large dosage, you will be kind of turned off to replay this. But I think once you break into it, if you do like a good deep dive inside of it, you can hear the greatness that is Takeoff. So what is everyone else feeling about The Last Rocket? Uh, better than uh, Huncho, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to hear Migos alone. I want. I don't want to hear Migos. <laughs> I want to hear Migos. I want. I want plural. You don't want like, a Migos. You want Migos. Yeah, nah. I mean, it was cool. Like I felt like it was a stronger project out of the. I mean, the two out of three that came out. But I don't know. Yeah, Y'all know I'm a boom pap girl. So yeah, yeah. I was about <laughs> to say like if you. I mean, if you're into like just rapping. And like you're not a fan of Migos, and I feel like Takeoff is going to be the artist that kind of shows you, like, hey, we're not just mumbling out here, we're not just harmonizing and singing all the time. Like, we got a guy here that can actually rap. Um, I, I agree with Tribbles on the whole uh, not having really any features. I thought that was that's very risky, mm -hmm. especially since he is. I mean, for the most part, he's the least famous out of the three, out of Quavo yeah. and, and Offset and. Offset is in a very public relationship with the other hottest rapper out there and, and Cardi B. So there's like takeoff. There's not anything to to hold to, to really push him. You know what I'm saying? Like he, I don't think he's 
according to one of these songs on here, he said he's not on Instagram, he's not on Twitter. He's just he's just about the music. That's what it seems like to me. That's what I got from this album. That's it, it man, if I was a label, I I wouldn't have done it this way because I feel like I could have got more people to listen to this with maybe not a bunch of features, but like maybe like a Drake feature or something like some big That's O D. I think Drake, get, a Drake feature takes away from Takeoff. Yeah, maybe maybe not Drake, but someone like a twenty one like savage a, or something. He's just, yeah, like, he needed like, like a, a a rapper that's kind of like not on his level, but just in kind of his range. Yeah, because like, like I said, this is he's the less popular Migos. He's not the le- least he's not the least talented, but he's the lesser known of them. And I feel like if you want to get people to really gravitate towards this project, I think another feature or two might have helped. I liked it. I thought it was really good. Definitely better than than Quavo's. And it's just it's funny because I remember when Culture came out. The culture one, everybody was like, yo, Quavo needs to go solo. Quavo needs to go solo. He's the one. He's the one. He's it. He's the Beyonce of this group. And now after listening to these first two projects here, uh, Quavo better hope that these niggas stay together because <laughs> Quavo as a solo artist, he, he might not be it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he, definitely, he definitely exposed himself with that project. Yeah, he should have um, dropped last. Yeah. Speaking of dropping last, so Offset finally uh, has a date for his album, which will be December 14th. So, of course, we're going to dive into that. Hopefully, we get like another 12-track album. I don't have to sit through like 19 Offset tracks. Um, But, yeah, and then also, I spoke on this last week, but we finally got a date. City Girls is dropping November 16th. So, we, I, oh will, def- I will definitely review that on the podcast. I don't know if Marcus Sniffle is in summertime. I don't, I don't know if Cy going to be with the shits. Marcus. <laughs> I might. I don't know. You never Marcus, know. I, I've seen Marcus say period on the timeline. So, I think Marcus is going to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, you have a, did you have a chance to get to the takeoff or... Are you a fan of the Migos? Actually, so I did. I actually did. Um, so his, I got this uh, love hate relationship with the Migos. You know, what I'm saying as an artist, I respect them 100. percent um, But like to me, you, you in two camps when it comes to the Migos. You either you Migos in my head or you Ray Shrimmer. You know, um, <laughs> and this is two different ways to look at it. But like Migos, I think, I think what they do as collective is is nice. But I think I think I think they suffer from my small opinion, some of the same things I feel like Future does a little bit in terms of um, like the production is so repetitive. Like once you get into like three songs, it's a vibe, but you're in that exact same vibe. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's not a lot of up and down as you go through it. Like if you listen to Travis Scott, man, like to me, that was like the breath of fresh air in comparison. I ain't going to get too deep into that, but um, he kind of gives you on that roller coaster ride. He gives you up and down of vibes. You know what I'm saying? Um, but for takeoff specifically, I think he did better than Quavo. Um, I was a little disappointed with Quavo's um, takeoff. Definitely did better, but I think he missed the opportunity. I felt like he could have ventured out a little bit production-wise. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he could have made a pop record or like that, but I think he could have ventured out for a little bit and, and try to maybe cut a different sound than what we're used to hearing from Migos. You know, right. I think the sounds he did on this was very Migos safe. You know what I mean? It was just take off what you expected him to do on Amigos type of beat. So it sounded good. I think it was good overall. But, I mean, if you take this and compare it next to, like, Travis Scott, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I think I 
think that's a Atlanta thing though. Like I yeah. and not just point like, you know, not picking on Atlanta, but you go back to early Gucci, like Gucci and Zaytoven, best friend like all, all of Gucci's old stuff, it has a similar sound because Zaytoven was laying that foundation, yeah. you know, that that foundation. So I think they do get comfortable. You look at a twenty one Savage and Metro Boomin, like they have that relationship to where you can listen to a seventeen, eighteen track album and if they did twelve tracks like you say, you're going to be in that, in that vibe. So I think that's more of a cultural thing. I think. You think so? Yeah. I think, I think if we, if we look at a lot of the Atlanta, a lot of Atlanta artists, Mm -hmm. we, you can, you can name their main producer, not saying that they don't work with other people. So yeah. I'm a broaden I'm a broaden that scope and to say just the Southern region period because I was listening to Money Me Bag Yo over the weekend because this album dropped too and I was like, it's not a bad project. It just sounds the exact same. Like the the repetition and the cadences mm-hmm. are literally like the same. And it's just yeah. like, all right, after track three, you, you get tired of hearing it. Yeah. But uh, uh, the other end of that, I feel like Zaytoven. Zaytoven. Zaytoven does a good job of at least trying to mix it up a little bit. You know, Zaytoven well, yeah, can do gospel. He can still yeah. do, you know, R&B and trap. Yeah. Right, right. He got a sound, though. He definitely got a sound. But I, I would say um, to me, like, I, I guess I'm from the school of Outcasts, So, like, I remember Atlanta, you know what I'm saying? Or I remember uh, in general, South tracks or South groups, South artists um, that kind of stick out and had a, a bit of a rounded sound. To me, Ray Shrimmer, I ain't trying to big them up too much, but Ray Shrimmer to me is a good example of more of a rounding sound. I'll, I'll be it, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying like some of that stuff is repetitious, but like it's interesting to think about how you think the Ray Shrimmer album when they did the little, they was going to do their own independent album drop. Oh, that shit was out trash. The same one, you know what I'm saying? But Compare, compare, listen, but compare each of them comparatively, right? You know what I'm saying? Like the, the own quote unquote individual tracking, right? Or individual uh record that they released, supposedly tried to release, but it was a double album. Um, compared to the Migos, you know what I mean? They individual uh outing, uh jumping out there, throwing their own stuff out there. But you said it was trash, you think it was trash? Yeah, I did. It was, I mean, outside of Sway Lee, like trying to sing on every hook on his part of his yeah. um, of his album, yeah. and they sound identical. Like Slim Jimmy's part of the album sound nothing like different from the the Ray Shrummer part of the triple diss album, whatever they try to do. Like I I think ideally I was excited mm-hmm. about it, but it was just poor execution. Kind of how like I mean I'm not gonna say mm-hmm. we all feel that way about these Migos solo projects, but we all can identify something that they could have done different to make themselves stand. Yeah. Like, all right, yes, I'm a part of this group, but I'm my own man. Because um, I'm pretty sure, you know, some of the beats that Takeoff has that it's just him rapping on, Quavo and Offset have been on, and then vice versa. Um, yeah. So I just think, but I'm I'm so glad that you already got on this topic of like riding a certain wave or a signature sound or something like that. So Friday, the group chat's kind of popping. We're like, what are we going to talk about on the podcast? And we bring up Swiss beats and I'm not going to lie to anybody out here that's listening to this podcast. I did not want to press play on this project. I saw it with, I was like, well, shit, I can sit through, what was it? 10 or 11 tracks. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, I was like, I can sit through this. Like, it's not going to be too bad. I was like, I can say, I listened to it. I listened to it again. So I could just make sure when I get on the podcast, I could tell y'all niggas it was trash. <laughs> I pressed play. 
And Sai can back me up. I text her like, yo, I need to log in because I need to write about this album. She's like, what? Like, I need to write about Swiss Beats album. It's so fucking good. Like, I was, I was so taken away from, like, taken back from this album because first off, I just feel like I love Swiss Beats. So this, do not get me wrong. I love him, but his signature sound can get annoying really, really, really fast. Like, to me. So when I press play on this album and we got this like cryptic ass intro, I don't really know what I'm getting into. And then it leads into um, Pistol on My Side. And I, when it first came out, I didn't really care too much for that song. Anymore. Like I was like, okay, it's Wayne, it's Swiss. Like it's good for the culture, but that's just not what I'm going to play all the time. And I get to track four with Kendrick and Jada and Styles P. And I'm like, oh, this is a good song. And then all jones and swiss beats and from that point on to the end of the album so i think that's track five on to the last five songs well that french montana song because it's asterisk but those last five songs i was like blown away by swiss's production i think he every like he had every rapper that needed each beat like each i think each beat that each rapper got was needed minus coming against because i'm not a big griggs fan like I know Drake tried to get his hit, but it's he's just not my cup of tea. So I can't really speak on him. But everybody, like every feature that's on this album, like I think it worked for whatever beat he crafted, whether he crafted it around that artist or and was like, oh, Kendrick should be on this, or Pusha T should be on this song. Cause Pusha T killed his song. Like Cold oh Blooded. God. Cold Blood is probably the best song on the album. Um Echo was really good with Nas and my personal favorite was 25 Soldiers with Young Thug because it gave me the Young Thug I fell in love with. Not not necessarily Jeffrey Young Thug, but I'm talking about like way before people knew what, what a Young Thug was. Like it gave me that, those type of vibes. So I enjoyed the fuck out of Swiss Beats album. I personally think that was a better out, the better drop that I got to. I know it's a couple of projects I didn't get to but as far as all the projects I heard that dropped Friday, this was my favorite one. This is the one that this morning on my way to work I'm listening to. So I hyped the fuck out of this album. But how does everyone else feel? <laughs> well, considering the fact that I talked to you the morning of on Friday and you hyped this project up so heavy, of course, I had to go spin it. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like I had heard a couple singles he had with like the Jim Jones and the um, Kendrick Lamar. Um, song but I think for me the standout tracks from was the Nas joint um and the Pusha T joint like those two tracks were like oh my god phenomenal I actually thought Swiss should have just produced Nas's album he no, came they are, out. no they're doing an album like they he announced it on Hot 97 he's executive producing oh, the Nas shit. album so it's a Nas and Swiss album oh. coming soon yeah, I need that because I when I when I heard that song, I was like, "This is the Nas that we wanted back in June," and <laughs> Kanye, and it just proved even further that like, "Damn, Kanye, you fucked up Nas's album. <laughs> like, <laughs> you should have just let some nigga have his shit." So, yeah, Jay, did you have a I'm chance saying. to listen? Yeah, so um, so like you, um, I respect Swiss Beats ultimately like two thousand percent as a producer legendary status. I'm going to get my disclaimer out the way. Um, but I'm be honest with you, like in terms of production, like he's probably the one I can identify the least amount with in terms wow. of, uh, and, and I'm not saying like his sound is not good. It sounds good. But like you said before, 
some of his stuff feels a little um it repeats you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. you listen to one song and you go to the other one it kind of got a similar vibe um and that's fine like if you like it you love it type of deal um and I don't know if you pay attention, but like the, over the summer, him and um, Timberland got into a little back and forth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they uh, played it out on stage and whatnot. And they supposed to have like the albums back to back going against each other. So this was Swiss's quote unquote album, or not quote unquote, the album he dropped that he was referencing before. So I was looking forward to just hearing what was going to be dropped. There was a lot of good energy in that back and forth. But I was surprised, like you, quite honestly, because like from, the battle back and forth with Timberland, he was playing a lot of beats in that same little vein. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, this is what it's gonna be. And in my opinion, I feel like Timberland won. But uh, so when I heard this, I was expecting something more like amp, more like, you know, the traditional Swiss beats, like anthem type, you know what I'm saying? Him yelling in the background, hey, 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 hey. You know? Showtime. <laughs> exactly, showtime. <laughs> Him and Diddy kind of got that like uh, amp you up like 24 seven. You know, on the track, and that's I'm not knocking it, it is what it is. Um, but that's what I was expecting. So, quite honestly, going into it, I was like, Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, uh, but I was surprised. Like, I think maybe I don't know if it was the battle with Timberland that maybe got him feeling some different ways, but like the uh while I was speaking to it before, like the ups and downs, you know what I'm saying? Like a, mm-hmm. to me, a great record is is gonna have songs on it that gives you ups and downs. You you're gonna have some spots that got like a club joint. You know, have a record that has a club joint, get you grooving. Then you'll have another joint that's going to be more just chill, you know. So, like, the Nas did that for me. Um, I like the um, thing. The Nas did it for me. Some of the ones you mentioned. Uh, what am I thinking of? The one towards the end. Let me see. Uh, his French was at the end. With Two Chains? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, Two yeah. Chains. Stunt. Stunt. The beat on Stunt. I was like, whoo. Ooh, that's a problem. I, I hated bit. that. I like was that. that the was that the hook where he was counting? Yes. Uh, yeah. I yeah. hate that hook. I I wrote on like when I did my review, I was like, yo, Swiss gotta stop with the hook hook making. Yeah. That's not his forte. Like, <laughs> I'm not good with that. <laughs> he he tried. He tried it. He tried very hard, but that mm-hmm. you know, that to me that's what brought down the value of the album was the fact that he just mm-hmm. poor like he had poorly yeah. executed hooks. On some hard ass beats, but I mean that's neither here or there. Marcus, did you did you get a chance to listen? Like you I agree, do. you disagree? Um, yeah. I mean, it is it's what's the only producer out here that's like yelling over his tracks like all the time. Like that's his thing, right? DJ it's, Paul yelled the fuck out of that beat on Drake's new album, so I'm gonna go with the no because all DJ Paul's tag was all throughout. Uh, was it Talk Up yeah, with Jay Z? That up, shit yeah. was. Annoying. I I, I, <laughs> I didn't think this album was bad. I just it's it's weird to even say this because it is a Swiss Beats album, but th- there was too much Swiss Beats on this album. Like too too much of him vocally, like him trying to rap, him doing verses and hooks. It's like well, his first his first album he rapped, right? I, I and I'm not here for that. I'm not here for Swiss Beats trying to rap. Like I I'm cool with his ad libs and him in the background yelling. Like that's cool. Like I like that. Like on you know. Uh, Swiss Montana, like I like the, I like that stuff. Him hyping, hyping you up over the beat, like I'm good with that. Like, give me more of that. I like that kind of, um, what you call it, Rough Riders anthem type vibes. I like those. And the thing that I appreciate about this album is that he made. I don't know if he did it, but Young Thug sounded 
so clear on this album when he was rapping. Like, I was like, wow, why can't Young Thug rap like this more often? Like, I Because I don't it. respect the GOAT. That's <laughs> Okay, I won't say GOAT, but I will definitely say that Young Thug, that, that song with Young Thug surprised me to the point That's where I was like, I can I listen know, to this like... again. Yeah, I was like, where has this guy been? Like, I thought he was a mobile rapper, but he is... Very clear on this song. So that's what he, like. That's how he like. That's what he really he the things that he raps about and like the words that he was using on this twenty five soldier song. Like he raps about that all the time. He just uses this weird diction. Yeah. Little yeah, it's weird. I fucked with it though. I love Jeffrey. My uh, I, guess, I guess my biggest disappointment about this album oh, outs- oh, outside of outside here of Swiss Beats rapping and yelling and whatever doing his verses. Uh, the song with Kendrick Lamar. He, they, he didn't need a Kendrick verse. I'm sorry. He just gave Kendrick like what? I'm, four four uh, beats on what the Untitled Project, and he made his son make a beat for Kendrick. If if Fuck you're gonna, if you're gonna give me Kendrick, I need a verse. I do not want to hear Kendrick on a hook. Like Kendrick on a hook is fine, but Kendrick on the hook is like having sex with a condom on. Like you're getting wow. some. You're getting, you're getting some, but it's like, yo, man, what's this condom doing here? Like, I don't want this. Please, <laughs> listeners, perform safe sex. Like, <laughs> who wants to have sex with a, with a latex? No, man, take that off. Give me the verse or I don't want to do it. Like, for real, like, get out of here. Like, give me a, a Kendrick verse. I don't want a chorus. And now we know why Mark I don't want a hook. Of two. Of two. <laughs> Get these condoms out of here. <laughs> no, that's real. <laughs> well, this is your book. Okay. Well, so my question to everyone, but leading off with our producer, Guru here, do we consider, because I, I felt like Swiss Beats was taking more of a DJ Khaled approach. Um, because like I said, uh, Swiss's first album, he actually rapped a lot on this album. Like we saw a little spurts on this one, but not as heavy as his first album um, that he put out. So I, and, and when I wrote about it, I was like, he kind of took a DJ Khaled approach where he just came up with, you know, he found great beats or he produced great beats. And then he found an artist or artist to jump on a track and make it sound, you know, sound really well. So I, I say all that to ask, where do we put this particular Swiss Beats album in the way that he approached it? And like a DJ Khaled compared to, um, a Mike Will made it or like a Kanye where we know that they sit there, they find the samples, they cut the samples, they add the drums, they do all these things compared to a DJ Khaled where we know Khaled not necessarily grabbing samples. He's just calling up Justin Bieber, you call him Chance the Rapper, like come get on this song, kind of orchestrating more so than producing. Like, do we consider orchestrators producers really or no? Like, does my question mm. make sense? Um no, I think you have to produce the track to actually be so, considered a producer. So Diddy, so Diddy, because I mean, is Diddy no. really in the in the lab chopping up beats? Like, so I mean, it depends on how you look at it. So I, I, I take a note to say this: um, the traditional or the actual definition of producer is more like Quincy Jones. So it is really the orchestration. Okay, it's not, it's not really the person who actually makes the beat. So like Quincy, he wasn't in there playing every single track. You know, he definitely was not. You know what I mean? If you listen to his interviews and all that, he'd be like, yeah, you know, he'll tell him exactly. He'll do the formatting of it, typically, and he'll he'll do the edits and say, hey, nope, do that over again. This should be like this. But it's always usually geared towards the formatting overall of the track. So 
in terms of that, do I feel like he did that? Yes, because as you, as some of the commentary on the whole on the on the record itself was that he was throughout the whole one doing the, the typical Swiss beats, you know, yelling a bunch and stuff like that. So I think he always kind of done that. But I think, I mean, I think he made the beats too. Like I think you can tell like a Swiss beat beat like you just has like a little signature vibe to it. Um, I think he's just different from a different. He's like he's a he's yeah he's from a different school with it. You know, so he got more of that New York sound, more of that New York um, vibe kind of going on with the beats. But I, and overall, I feel like, I mean, I put it the same as like a Kanye West is just a different vibe of it, in my opinion. Maybe he's a little bit more. Well, I'll take that back. It's probably the same as Kanye West. Cause Kanye West is a little intrusive on some of his tracks too. He might jump in there. And interrupt, interrupt the rapper, you know what I'm saying, and throw up his little, you know what I'm saying, whatever he feel like saying in the moment, if he feel like that's what the track needs, per se, you know what I'm saying, whereas the chorus right. or a stab or something like that, Swiss Beast does the same thing. So, I mean, I think it writes about the, I mean, in terms of did he do it? Yes. Um, I think he played all the roles. I think it wasn't a DJ Khaled. Okay. So, we talked a little bit more well earlier about his signature sound, how like certain drum patterns or his whistle, you know, whistles or bells or whatever that he uses on his tracks can get very repetitive. We know when we hear a, a Swiss beats beat, we know, you know, during the early 2000s, we knew when a Neptune's beat came on. So how do we judge or how do we assess producers who have a signature sound, but we're looking for versatility? Like, how do we know when we're getting versatility from someone with a signature sound? Hmm, that's a very good question. How do we know? Who's I'm trying to think of a producer it, who has a very versatile me, sound. Like for me, it was when I heard the Swiss Beats album, and it, like I said, I'm used to like the. I really wish I could do it with, like with my mouth, but I can't. But like he has this like drum pattern, like you know, it's Swiss Beats, and then and like as he's doing the drum patterns, here comes this bell. It's like, oh shit, it's it's Swiss Beats. Like we know this. Like he doesn't even have to say anything. It's like you know who it is. But I hear like Echo, and Echo had so much soul going into it. Yeah. Like the intro was just full of like soul. So I was like, oh, oh shit, I can tell this is different because like, not saying he's never used a soul sample before, but it's heavily infused and throughout this beat. So I can say like, all right, Swiss Beats is doing something different. But I guess my question is, when we look at certain producers like uh, a Zaytoven, because Zaytoven has a signature sound. Outside of their tags, like how do we judge them being versatile or do we look at it as just like, all right, yeah, this beat may sound the same, but they're saying true they're they're staying true to themselves they're trying to staying true to their sounds. Like, do we find a problem with signature sounds or as an active listener or music lover, are we looking for versatility from some of these producers? I would, man, I want to say something. I don't know who want to go first. I would say, so like, that's a, that's a good question. And it really speaks to a couple of different things. I'm going to be trying to be extremely short with it. One, um, Yes, you want versatility, two thousand percent. That's that shows really the goatness of a potential producer. You know what I'm saying, or like longevity of a producer. Like every great producer had uh, versatility. Like which the easy answer is high level. They can make music for multiple genres. Like um, and usual tradition for hip hop is like you can make it for rap, 
pop, uh, maybe like um, the Spanish community, um, Hispanic music, um, and then so on and so forth, reggaeton, you know, anything you know what I'm saying in between or whatnot, but like switching up the genres is really like a no to like, all right, consciously I can see that you're doing something different. Um, um, that's like the biggest compliment. Like if you play a, a song on the radio and five songs go on and all five of them were produced by the same person, but you didn't know it because it sounded completely different, that's versatility right there. Um, and you look for that because that's what, I mean, everyone that's done that is, is, is in that GOAT type of status. So um, in terms of did he do on this one? Yes, I think he did um, from a production standpoint. Like song, you can go back and forth how you feel about that. But from production, like you said, Echo is not that traditional. Duh, 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 duh. You know what I'm saying? Like it don't got that Swiss beats that you would think coming in. Like, oh, you know what I'm saying? It's like a surprise. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Swiss did this. Okay. Wow. So um, that's definitely um, showing versatility. But like I said, that surprised me because Swiss beats is definitely, I mean, I'm saying he don't, he doesn't have versatility, but when he gets that wave, he like he has that one thing he does really a lot, you know what I'm saying? And that's usually the death of a producer. He has versatility because that's why he lasted this long. But that's usually the death of the produce, producer. If you cannot reinvent your sound, if you stick with the exact same sound, it will kill you, you know what I'm saying? And you look at producers in the past, that's literally what killed them. You know, a lot Lex of Luger sudden, being one of them. Man, I was just about to say that, Lex Luger, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dope producer, but he just played out his sound way too much. And I don't want to say it's him as much as like when the industry gets a hold of your sound, they want more of it. Everyone wants more of it because it's a hit sound. It's a new wave. But if you just let that, let people run with it, you'll kill your sound. And if you haven't had time enough to really grow your sound into something else, then it'll, it'll kill you, right? Because right when everyone's moving on, if you haven't transitioned and found the amount of uh, creativity to, uh, to progress your sound, and you still stuck in that wave, then you're just producing stuff that people don't even want to hear no more. That's so uh, they can set you to a time period. You know what I mean? So that's my two cents. But uh, any, any no, I think. Else? Dang, that was a, how do you top that? I don't know how. No, to I was like, with I, was that, like I don't I think... really know what to say. Because, because was, I mean, it was so true. So I think I'm. I'm so glad we got a producer on because like. Yeah. And I think, you know, who does a good job. I think, you know, obviously, like Jay was saying, Swiss Beats obviously has some type of versatility that he's left us along. I also think that Swiss Beats kind of took a step. I don't think he does too many, too much to where it's like he he oversaturates himself. I think that's also the reason why he's lasted this long. Yeah. But like, for instance, Jay Dilla, I don't know. And he's, Jay Dilla is like one of my favorite producers, but sometimes I struggle with him because I'm like, I want to hear something different from him that we haven't heard from like, you know, early 2000s and 90s. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'd like to hear him grow outside of just the soulful beats and kind of explore different sounds. But like Pharrell, for example, he's great at exploring super different sounds that he can make any kind of record. Like I think Pharrell is like the poster child of being able to make any record. And you may not even know that it's Pharrell beat. Yeah, that's like true. he has a lot of different patterns to where I'll hear something that was produced by Pharrell. I'm like, dang, I didn't even think it was him. But you know, you think about it, like, oh yeah, I guess it is him. But it's a different, it's a different drum pattern. It's a different sound and a bass to it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I so, got. So, so Marcus, this question, I'll, I'll let you lead this one off. Right now in music, so 2018. Not, I mean, we can kind of go. I guess uh, let's go from like 2014 to 2018. 
Uh, well, no, let's just let's spread it out. 2010 to 2018, are producers more important or just as important as the artists, in your opinion? You're going back to 2010? Um, let's, I mean, go, uh, let's just say, let's just say 14, 18. Let's go with my first number, 14, 18. Okay, within yeah, the last yeah. four years, four to five years. The producer kind of helped you like put the song together. They were more involved. Uh, now with like email and all these programs, people can just anybody can make a beat that sounds like a Metro Boomin beat or a Take Heath beat. Anybody can kind of make a beat sound like whatever's on the radio. And I think the artists don't really give producers a lot of credit for the work that they're doing. And I, I always go back to this uh, this interview with the. French Montana, they asked him, like, on his album that was coming out, they asked him, like, hey, who produced this? Who are the producers on your songs? And he could, he named, like, one. And he couldn't name any other ones. And I was just like... Did That's you, so did, horrible. Like, That's were you, like and, and I can almost understand why he was like that, because I'm willing to bet that he wasn't in the room with these people. They weren't working together. It's just he got an email from someone, like, hey, here's this beat. Okay, I'm gonna rap on this. I don't know who this is from, but I'm gonna rap on it because it's hot. Whatever. Like, I don't, I don't feel like producers are as important unless you're unless you're one of the top tier producers, unless mm-hmm. unless you're, you know, Mike Will made it or DJ Mustard, then, then it doesn't really matter who you are. You're just a nobody until you blow up or until Drake gets on your song. <laughs> Light skin but a dark nigga. Summertime. What you think? <laughs> you think more? Think the artist is less important? I mean, the producer is more important or just as important? I think it's just as important, if not more important. I mean, I, and I feel like the way that we consume music today, it lends itself to the producer. Think about the mm-hmm. just how the South sounds and the whole trap era. Like, it's all based upon how good the producer is. And you could be saying virtually nothing on a record and the song will still pop, like, because of the way that people consume the music. So I think it's important, if not more, um, because, again, the lyrics... People, not since but a 10, are not listening to lyrics, except if you're like maybe an R&B artist. But even then, people really aren't trying to understand what you're trying to say. They're just trying to catch a vibe. And the only way for you for people to really catch a vibe is if it's to a nice beat, whether it's R&B Most or hip hop. So I don't I, I definitely think it's trash that French Montana can't name the producers on this album. That says a lot to how much he puts into his crafts. But I mean, you know. And it's crazy how how producers, like you said, Marcus, they don't get the respect you could deserve. They deserve because you could get an up and coming producer to, you know, give you a beat for like two hundred dollars, and then the actual artist who's on it is the one that's getting, you know, the 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 money from it if it blows up big. And it's like, so what happens to the producer who made this beat if they didn't do a good deal with the artist and the manager? And it's just like, all right. Um, and then to and then producers don't get credit for the good producers who actually like go into the crates and actually find songs that mm-hmm. you know have a, a orchestra like a, a sound to it something that you have to dissect and not just put a couple snares and a drum head and a bass to it and call it a beat I mean 
producing is an art. I mean, I used to produce in high school and, and there's a real true fine art to it. Even, I think even more than a rapper or a singer. Like yeah. that takes I, a I lot agree. more skill. Yeah. Um, before we get to Jake, I feel like Jake on school us. Um, I, to answer that question, like initially in my head, when I asked the question, I'm like, well, clearly the producer has more value than the artist these days because you look and the, you know this is no shade to the artist I'm gonna name but you look at like a little pump like it, let's just look at the 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 new little pump song with Kanye like if that beat doesn't go you're not sitting through that you're not sitting you're not sitting through you such a freaking hoe I love it like you you're not listening you're you're not sitting through that as a hip hop artist but that beat that bass comes in you start nodding your head like the next thing you know you're singing alone like I think what producers do they make like they make you listen to the song like you may like an artist but if the beat's trash you're not listening you're, you're not going to try to understand what the artist is saying but if you can catch that vibe you can catch that wave like shit is popping like i can't tell you how many songs i know just because i fuck with the beat so hard and you listen to the beat so much while i know the song so now said artist is getting show money simply because we fell in love with the beat but you know, as I'm hearing you guys speak and thinking a little bit more, I'm just like, well, maybe they're on the same level because spoke of Lex Luger earlier, and Lex Luger is probably still making beats. He's just not in the forefront of the light. You know what I'm saying? Like, what we, I think about who Lex Luger like main client was or or main artist he worked with, and that was Flocka. Now we can attribute a lot of things to why Waka Flocka is not like number one, you know, on iTunes or whatever right now, but if we're if we're talking about artists and, and and producers together like you just think like as the decline of Lex Luger went the decline of like Waka Flocka so I think I think initially most people are going to go with producers are more important but I think we kind of have to look at it as if like they're on the same level because they can make and break an artist just as much as the artist can make or break a producer so yeah, that's my answer. But Jay, we would love the the producer's perspective on this. Like, how do you feel? Like, do you, when you hear that question, were you offended? Like, did you say, what the fuck do you mean? It's no artist. Because that's what, of course. if I'm a producer, that's not I'm coming on. Like, if I'm a producer and I hear that question, I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, I'm going to be but what do you think? Top dog, producer all the way. What you mean? We out here. <laughs> you know, like, that. Now, uh, that's an interesting question. Like, some of the stuff you're talking about is like stuff that other producers I know, like, is what we talk about. Like, this is like the state of production. But I'm going to try to keep this one short, too, because you can, this is, uh, this is kind of a whammy. Because the first thing you got to ask yourself is for the person you think is a producer, are they in fact a producer? What I said earlier about, what the true definition of producer is and what that represented back in the time, Quincy Jones, perfect example. Um, a lot of producers are not that. Like you got some of the GOAT, all the ones that we feel like GOAT quality, they that, they 100% that. Pharrell, he's a producer. Timbaland, he's a producer. Swiss Beats, he's a producer. Meaning they would sit down with the artists. Not only do they have, uh, they're gonna they're gonna make, not even just this, really, they're gonna sit down and format and create some type of sound, right? From start to finish, right? And sometimes that may be with the artist assisting, sometimes that may not be, but a lot of times it's more heavy on the producers. So I feel like producers always has been really one over the artist forever. It's always been like that. I think we're more in an age now where the producer 
even though they're not at the forefront in terms of like a household name, not not as much as like the 90s and early 2000s. And that's really because respect for the craft. So you got um, producers who will get on tracks and oh, it's not get on tracks, will make tracks or and throw it out there for artists and they'll throw it up on SoundClick, they'll throw it up on other different websites. And there's nothing wrong with that, but this is kind of the fallout of it. If you're throwing your, 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 your beats, your sounds on a, on, a, on a website for someone to download and, and make something too, that's accessibility, that's cool, gets you out there. But the downfall is if you don't tag your beats properly um, and you just make it so easily accessible where they can download and not really worry about who, who made the beat, then you don't really have a name for yourself, right? Right. And then you don't even know who took your stuff and blew it up, right? And then there's like this little cookie comb trail we have to follow back to who the producer is, right? And then too, they don't really care. The people on SoundClick, they really care about 10, 100, like they care about 5,000 people bought they beat. They don't care about they got that one song that popped. They do, they do, they still do because that's more money. It's a bigger, it's a different type of check, but their mentality well, how they've been doing it is I'm trying to get 5,000 people to download this beat because it sounds like everything else out there, right? Right. So it's like wait, like you're riding a wave at that point. So let me back up and say like, yes, like producer to me is usually always, most of the time over the artist. And I think sometimes the artist can take a producer role traditionally. Um, I think nowadays it's more producer heavy even though their names are not floating up to the top, but for the ones who who do push their name out there is extremely producer heavy. Like you listen, you, you name some of the top artists that you like right now or some of the younger uh, generations like right now, and they're gonna start naming some people like um, 6 9 and stuff like that. All they top tracks, you like it because the beat sound good. And I'm not, <laughs> not that's me knocking them, but it's not really a knock, it's just reality. Like. Like you can see their progression, they start to get better in their craft and they start to understand how they really, the nuances and really pull at the heartstrings of some of their audiences. But at the end of this day, you know what I'm saying? Like you like it because of what the beat doing and then that once they got catch, right? But if you if you said the same thing in the 90s, early 2000s, like, yeah, as long as you got to catch a melody, you good. It, that always existed. But if you said that for hip hop, it was a totally different answer. Like. Nah, like you're not yeah, good, you had to, like. you had to be barred up in the nineties. Like you couldn't right. have the songs that are making like number one. Like it, it Bodak Yellow is not number one if this comes out ninety four, ninety five. No, no, no. I mean, it, no, it actually still maybe. I, I take that mm -hmm. back. It still maybe. Uh -uh. The only reason I'm gonna say is this. The only reason I'm gonna say is this. And this is the, and this is like the oxymoron in itself, so to speak. But um, just as much as you like the nineties, we love it for. It had the lyrics and all the stuff like that. You still had all those super one-off. Um, ice, ice, baby. Yeah, you still had all that. And the reason why Good you had vibrations. all that. Yeah. It's because at the end of the day, the simple truth is this. We just pressing the button more now. That's what it is. But the simple truth is this. If you got a good, if you got a good beat and you put a decent melody on top of that, I don't care what you say. Like mumble rap was a 2000% proof of that. When you took mumble rap, put it over a good beat, I don't care what you say at that point. Like um, like Metro, he's from St. Louis. Um, back in the day, you know what I'm saying? It was cool enough to, to uh, get in the studio with him. And he he's one of the he's one of the newer producers, not newer, he's not newer now, but he's one of the producers that came into the game compared to like for real and stuff like that. I would say paid attention to try to push his name out there, right? And then the artists um, that jumped on his stuff. And he, he did mixtapes, how he started. He did a lot of mixtape mixtapes. But the artist that jumped on all this stuff, Future uh, and Popped, um, 
Who wants something? Twenty One Savage. Twenty One Savage. Nick Sean. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, uh, and I'm thinking of uh, I'm, I'm getting a name, but it's, it's a big one. But um, either or, trying to keep my train of thought. Either or, he put his name out there, right? And they reciprocated and pushed him out there, right? So it's that it's that it's that relationship that you gotta have that really allows the producer to drag to the forefront. But when you think of sound wise, what you what you liking, what you're not into, for the most part. It's producers. I think you're starting to see a little bit of a shift where you see some true artists, you know what I'm saying, come to the stage. An artist, mm-hmm. to me, is going to bring their own spin on top of it. Like when a producer lays out his beat and he bounces it and sends it to an artist, right? What they have to account for, which people don't understand, is what the artist is going to lay on it, right? When you deal with singers, what they lay on that beat is a whole nother instrumentation on the, on, on the beat, right? So like, you right. know, in producer language, you can over overproduce a beat, you know what I'm saying? You can overproduce it where you're hearing too much about what the beat's doing. There's not enough space for the artists just to do what they need to do. So Kanye, Kanye yeah. is a good example of that, where he will overshadow um, an artist. I think he, that he did that for Tiana Taylor, where like, and that's why she was mad because she was just like, oh, he, yeah. she, he yeah. just yeah. tell about yeah. a hold on. Man. He brought the yeah. in. <laughs> I would have been mad. Like I, I'm be honest, when I heard Tiana Taylor project, I was like, this is cool, but this is, I'm, it sound bad, but I didn't feel like that was her. I'm just like. This don't sound like you. This sound like Kanye West just pressed the button and then he just like, he was like, dang, man, bump it. It's Kanye West. I got to do it. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, <laughs> right. You can't know, really say it. Like, man, this is not like, they not like, they not know. She, to me, she didn't have a strong joint. And I'm going to her stuff, but she didn't have a strong joint. And that's that, that's that relationship, that balance you got to kind of maintain uh, with the artist and the producer. You would want it to be equal. You know what I'm saying, but from back in the day, it was always produced. Back in the day, it was even worse. It was more producer than artists. Like the unsung heroes, you know what I'm saying, of what why the songs that we like, the old songs that we like, we like love the most is the producer and some of the people behind the scenes you don't know. The artist is a lot of times the front man, the CEO, the fall guy. Hey, that's that's real. So I guess to kind of close this, this segment out, how about everybody the top three producers? Like it could be, you know, R&B producers, rapper, like whatever, like who, whomever you pick or the three people that you pick, like these are people that if I say play a popping song, you're going to play this person's beat. Like whoever song it is, this person's making the beat. So let's start Silas Joy. All right, let's do it. All right. Even though I just talked shit about Kanye, he's definitely, um, my uh number one favorite producer uh, i'm going with uh man it's kind of hard because i love missy um she's actually a really super underrated producer to me um but it's between missy and timbaland like i kind of want to group them together but i know i can't um and then pharrell definitely third okay that's a that yeah. to be honest that's a solid three but like you yeah. got like your wild card and then like two like, yeah, Jay Dilla was gonna be on there, but again, he's to. And this is yeah. and, and for our listeners, like we're just giving top three on our head at the moment. Like this is not. I'm pretty sure we can all kind of take a take a week and come up with like a dope ass list of like 20 producers that run the game. But this is just on the fly. Sniffles, what you got for your top three? Uh, for me, well, top three, obviously Kanye West is number one. I feel mm. like he's the greatest person producer of all hey. time. Um, <laughs> if we're going to go more current producers, um, I'm going to go with six and Mike will make it. Okay. Um, me, I'm going to try, what I'm going to try to do is give you three from 
not not random t- like decades, but just three random ones. So I'm gonna go Teddy Riley for like my quote unquote old school one. I think he made a genre. Like you can't really get any better than that. Like um, so I'm gonna go Teddy Riley for that one. I'm going Mike Will made it because I love his versatility. I think Mike Will works well in all different genres. Um and uh, ooh, I'm gonna be different because I feel like anybody's gonna say this. I'm gonna go Manny Fresh. He has a signature sound, but Manny Fresh is giving us hits. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like his production. I'm gonna go Manny Fresh for my third. One. That's a sure. great ad. I'm not mad at that. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just trying to be first. I'm trying to be different. So what about you, Jay? He may have like people we never heard about, but we want to. I want to learn. So what you got? Ah uh, man. So I've been talking about. I I, I do it how you did it. I do errors like uh, for older music. I would say Quincy, just because okay. he's touched so many hit records. It's like crazy. Um, so Quincy, the middle era is kind of hard. That's that's extremely hard for me to pick one. But um, man, if I, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be that. It'd probably be Timbaland. Um, yeah, it'd probably be Timbaland. And then for the newer era. I would say, um, man, I could I could touch someone new, but I, I think Mike Will. I was gonna say Mike Will. I didn't know if y'all was gonna say Mike Will. Yeah. Mike Will surprisingly is just he he got a versatility, and at first I hated him. I'll be honest with you, I hate wow. him. because like it's like in the beginning of some of the things where if he actually produces beats, you know. Oh, and, oh, see, look, so it, look, it's that. Shit, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you know. But I mean, tech, like I said, you don't gotta be, you don't have to make the beats to be a producer technically. But as like time passed, and like that's gossip, you know what I'm saying? But as time yeah. passed and you listen to what he does, man, I'll be honest with you, I'm gonna say this. You look, listen to Future, you know what I'm saying? Future dope, you know what I'm saying? But to me, I feel like he needs to get back with Mike Will. Like that versatility, he needs to maybe sprinkle some of Mike Will tracks in the mix or something. But like you look at the artists that Mike Will touched after that Future era or whatnot. And kind of went on to do his thing. He still does his thing. Like he went yeah. to pop. He went like he hangs with like he has that versatility. That's the biggest thing to me. Yeah, I and it was weird you brought up Metro Boomin and how like you guys kind of work together because I I think I've been kind of critical on this on, via this show, but I just know my everyday life. Like I'm so hard on Metro Boomin because I'm like you see people like Mike Will made it who he had he he had that Swift Beats moment where a lot of his stuff. It just sounded the same, but he took ventures. He took chances. Like, I always point out him doing that Miley Cyrus album to me was, like, probably mm. the best thing he could have done for his career. Like, I know we looked back at it now, especially with, like, Miley distancing herself from hip-hop. But I'm like, if you go listen to that album, what he did on that as far as production-wise was amazing. And I think a lot of the young producers, like your Takeys, your Metros, like, all those people they can kind of learn from that. Like you can be of the time, you can be with any kind of artist and, and, and kind of craft it towards their sound. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the criticisms I had, and we didn't get to talk about this and I forget the guy's name on Twitter, but if you listen to this, shout out to you. He, he mentioned that we didn't talk about the Usher and Zaytoven project. Uh... And, <laughs> and first off, that midlife crisis album was bomb. I still listen to that. But one of the criticisms I had was Zaytoven is I felt like those were a couple of those beats were definitely throwaways that he just kind of brought out the vault. And I and I want to see a lot of these producers craft 
their music towards an artist. Kind of like how Marcus was saying, we're in this era where people just email stuff out or throw it on SoundCloud and somebody finds it and, you know, they drop their verses on it. But I want a lot of these producers, especially these seasoned producers like a Metro to start, you know, if you're going to work with Big Sean, like, cater your sound around Big Sean. Don't let it sound like Big Sean just so happened to walk in the studio when Metro was working on 20 beats and just decided to rap over them and put them out. Like, I want these these newer age producers kind of to sit down like how Jay and Timbaland or Jay and Pharrell would sit in the studio together and kind of vibe off each other and understand what it is that each and each and every artist kind of brings out um with with their with their particular sound so I just thought that was all kind of like cool but if you talk to Metro just let him know like he got a He's there, but he could he could go so much. So you didn't harder. so you didn't like the you didn't like his latest project. Um this newest one that just came yeah. out. Um mm-hmm. it's, I didn't like the rappers. I didn't like the rappers he chose on his beats, but really? I, I like I like the production itself, but I really wasn't too I don't know. I just think I don't know. I just want Metro to go outside of the box. And I don't know if mm-hmm. that's me saying I want Metro to go out of the genre because he did that gap commercial and I was just like that's a good look, but the beat itself is still trying. I didn't like the beat for the Gap commercial, so it was just like, oh, you're trying, but you're just still not executing, and I know for a moment he said he retired, or he was going to retire, so I don't know if he like kind of did some soul searching and found his mojo and came back, but I did enjoy a few beats on his project. I just wasn't too like crazy about everybody he had rap on his, on his shit. Yeah, I, I would say uh, um, Definitely, I gotta. So me, I, I don't know him like that. No, no, like that. But how can I put it like this? When you're in the studio with a bunch of different people, you see people come in and play beats. So uh, he's one of the people that came in and played beats, and everybody was playing beats, and um, a couple different artists is in there. So uh, to that degree, I'm kind of on the outside looking. No, nah, I'm saying complete outside, but outside looking into a certain degree. Um, but I get what you're saying with that. He kind of got. A, he kind of to me got that little Lex Luger thing. Like Lex Luger had a sound like two thousand percent. Um, mm-hmm. but if he didn't, if he would have pivoted a little bit early, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe progressed the sound, then it would have, it would have lasted longer instead of like just beating it to death. I think a hundred percent Metro got the potential. Um, he has some tracks he did with Travis Scott. You know what I'm saying? I was like, Ooh, okay. This is a little different than, I mean, it got yeah, I'm happy he brought that up. Yeah. yeah. Cause that was the, yeah. that was, oh, Trill was yeah. all about what you're talking about. The joint yeah. with Travis Scott. Yeah. Well, that's no, no, Savage's goals. But, no, but, heavy. No, but what I'm saying but is, like, I know how many though. times have we heard Metro with 21? Yeah. How many times have we had Metro yeah. with Offset? How many times, like, yeah. it's like, these are the same, I, this is like, I, how do I know this is a new, a new beat, a new project, or some throwaway shit that you didn't put on the last project? You know what I'm nah. saying? Like, okay, just, that's fair. But to me, for him to get, for him to, get to that GOAT-like status, you know what I'm saying? He got to have that versatility, meaning like, like you said, he got it to me. And this is me judging on the outside and, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not, I'm not Metro, you know what I mean? Right. But like, you got to like, you got to have that, ver- like you look at all the goats, Timberland, everyone, they can, you could, they can work with anybody, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But can you say truthfully Metro can work with anybody? And it will sound like their genre, or he'll add something to it. You know what I'm saying? Not yet. I think he has to be forced out of his comfort zone. I think yeah, right now, I think yeah. you know people because you got to think about it. People still call, like they call him Metro. Like Metro ain't really oh, yeah. what he calls. They call him. So oh, yeah. I think when, especially when you're on an up and up like that, and I think, I think Zaytoven is realizing that later in his career. So he's trying to revamp it as well because you see him with the right. Lecrae project and with right. the Usher project, which are to me two totally different sounds. 
Yeah, I see. Um, so, I, I, like I said, I, Metro has the potential. I don't think he's a yeah. horrible producer. I think he has the potential. I just think someone in his camp, or he needs somebody needs to, you know, like hit him up. Like, you can do it, but you just gotta, <laughs> you gotta like lock in and get it done. Because you think, you think, <laughs> had you told Mike Will like five years when he first started making beats, he was gonna do a beat from Miley Cyrus? Like, he, he probably would have laughed at you. Yeah, and he, but, but you, yeah. but we got like a full body of work, like content, and it none of that mm. sounds the same. Yeah, I think, but that has a lot to do with the producer itself. Like, uh, I, I, the last habit, tidbit I give is the gem is this: like, each producer, how can I say this? Like, when you walk into the game, you set your own ceiling, and when you okay. walk into the game, you do that by sh- showing who you work with, right, and your sound, right. You have the opportunity when you walk into the game to display different different sides of your sound. Mike will obviously did that. He had an agenda. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just right. like, oh, I kind of fell into my service. Nah, he was like, nah, I'm going to get this Miley Cyrus. Yeah, hell yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, so for me, like Metro just hasn't, to me, he had the opportunity to do it. He hasn't really done it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and like you said, Zaytoven definitely fell into that same trick too in the past in a certain degree. You know what I'm saying? Because like like I said, the Timbers and Pharrells, you know what I'm saying? They they come up with all the artists. You know, not, yep. Just Britney like, is just the rappers, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying, but it, who is Britney talking? Not Britney, but is is anyone now? You know what I'm saying, um, talking about Zaytoven in that same sense? You know what I'm saying, that same pop? You know what I'm saying, no. You know what I'm saying. So you got and Manny Fresh, he was breaking into it. You know what I'm saying, like, yeah, but, tried, yeah. but you gotta you gotta have a, the understanding to be like, I right, I can't just do a bunch of like down south. You know what I'm saying, like trap. If I do all trap, then my sound will only be trap. So right. I think he comfortable. I think that's what he wanted to do. I think early on, you know what I'm saying, like that's I mean, if you listen to all the mixtapes he did, that's that's the vibe. Like, it all kind of it's on a progression, but it's all on that same little sound. So it's good, it's dope. I hope, you know what I'm saying, like to the same degree, like he starts branching out too, because then it'll, it'll evolve his sound. And then again, like I said, I think he'll be like in a goat-like type of a position where you can see it because it's not too many new producers coming out that you can say, all right. You put them in the same strength as a Pharrell, a Timbaland, um, and anybody else per se. You know what I'm saying, um, like that. So Manny Fresh and whatnot. So it's like, you know, Knife Wonder. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> like yeah. that's a big one. So, <laughs> yeah, Knife Wonder is a good one. <laughs> I mean, know? but you know, the I think with the access to technology, how we move now in the music industry, I think the door is open for a lot of people to come in the game. But it's just all about being consistent. It's all about staying consistent, and it's all about putting in that work to be the best. I think a lot of people, you know, I'm pretty sure Metro and Zaytoven and all those people look up to the people that we've been bigging up. But it's like, all right, at what point are you going to go out and do that legwork? So shout out and good luck to every producer that, you know, whether you're still in your mama's basement or you cash a million dollar checks, like keep it going. But um, I know many people that listen to the podcast thought that we skipped the Roses segment, but we did it. We just decided to flow our Scorpion album review into the state of production uh, conversation. But Marcus has the roses for this week. So what's up? What you got? All right. So this week I'm going to give my roses to one of my favorite rappers growing up. And um, I I feel like 
We'll the see. Fact, the, <laughs> the fact that he is getting his roses just kind of shows how old I am, I guess. It is ludicrous. Ludacris was one of my all-time favorite rappers growing up. I, I had a little stint in Georgia when I was a kid, and I loved Ludacris. Um, it's hard for me, as someone who did grow up in Georgia, to really know when he, like, popped, I guess. Like, I don't know, because for me, when he first came out, I was like, oh, this is that guy. Like, I don't know when everybody else got around to him, but Ludacris is – one of the all-time greats. Mm -hmm. He's been on mm -hmm. tracks with every, well, probably every great rapper from Jay-Z to Rick Ross, Kanye, Lil Wayne. He's been on uh, legendary producers tracks from Kanye to Timbaland, um, the Neptunes. He can do, he has versatility. He can do commercial songs, pop songs, uh, R&B songs, crunk songs, lyrical songs, storytelling. He's responsible for, well, he had a hand in, like, the careers of Chingy, Shauna, 2 Chains, Bobby Valentino. He's a Grammy Award winner. He sold millions of records. Um, he destroyed T.I. on that song. Yes, uh, I, was gonna, I was like, I hope he brings that up. That <laughs> yeah, was like, on song, his own song. That's when I became, like, a ludicrous, like, stand. Like, I'll stand for Ludacris after he did that. Nobody's yeah, thinking about you. Plus, you ain't legit. So, so please. Ugh. Stay off the TIP of my dick. So bad. It was, wow. it was so hard, though. I was like, wow, man. Like, mm, came at his neck. But, I mean, it's like, whatever, oh, whatever you're looking for out of a rapper, I feel like Ludacris could provide that. Even if you were looking for just, like, a feature, like, I feel like at, at a time, he was the number one guy to go to for a feature or a remix. Like, he was on... Justin Bieber's most popular song has Ludacris on it. Oh yeah, baby. You know the baby yeah, Ludacris, like people forget that, but Ludacris was on that song. And like, if you think about who Ludacris is and where he came from, and then Justin Bieber at that time, like, how how, how does that even work? But then you know, Justin Bieber has a link with Usher, Usher, Ludacris, whatever. So, and if you if you're like behind the scenes, you get it. But as someone from the outside looking in, you're like. How the fuck did Justin Bieber and Ludacris connect like that? And how does this even work? So I feel like Ludacris deserves a lot of props. He deserves his roses. And it's it's sad that he's he's I hate saying it, but he's irrelevant right now in, in 2018 when it comes to music. And that's true. And and that sucks. I, 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 I do wish he was still making music. So. Well, um, side sidebar, slight plug, um, the Aux DJ on Apple Music, Spotify, title. We have an Unsung Heroes Ludacris playlist, so feel free to search that up and, yeah, get the bob in your head. Yeah, and there's... <laughs> you know, I think that's Luda really cool about Ludacris, too, is that he had one of the, some of the best videos of, oh, yeah. like, He's the 2000-era. Yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah. I don't think anybody really... Between him and Busta Rhymes, like, they have some of the best hip-hop videos to date. Yeah. Oh, and I don't forget my team. We're not going to forget myself. So, shout out to him. Yeah. For his he, he's right up there with, like, creativity as far as visuals goes. Yeah. He he might have more classic albums than your favorite rapper. He Most definitely. Might. He just might. So, let's... Them first, them first two. Let's go. Oof. I mean, go to the catalog, man. It's, it, there's some heat. Some serious heat. Yeah. So, shout out to Ludacris. I, 
listen, I 100% approve of those roses going to Lucas. <laughs> I think, yeah, like you said, I think a lot of people, because he was so good, and he, but he was, he was so good during a, a popular time where, like, everyone that came out was so good that he kind of went by the wayside because he's, like you said, he's not necessarily making uh, music. He's doing more TV music, uh, you know, humanitarian type stuff like that. So he's not really in the booth as much making rap music. So um, shout out to Ludacris. Uh, moving forward really quick with our What's in the Crate for this week. Um, we're going to point out a song, but I just hope everyone kind of like takes a t- take times out to listen to the artist. But he goes by the name of Deontay Hitchcock. Um, the song that I heard with him features Gold Link, and it's called Wide Open. It samples uh, Maxwell's Bad Habit. So that was one thing that kind of like the production, the beat that kind of had me listening to the actual song, but just lyrical content. Um, I was reading a couple of articles about him because I didn't know where he was from, but apparently he's from Riverdale, Georgia. So a little sub- suburb outside of Atlanta. Um, but his sound, reading this article that told me where he was from, they was just kind of comparing his sound a little bit to J. Cole mixed with T.I. But it's not as much like trap lyrical content. So I don't really know where they got T.I. from, maybe the accent. Um, but I just implore like all you guys to, to check him out. Um, I know his music is on Tidal, so which means it should be on Apple Music. It's also on SoundCloud. The specific song that I enjoy that I listen to a lot is Wide Open, um, but he does have two projects out um, at this current moment. So make sure you guys check out Deon- what, Deontay. I want to call him DeAndre so bad, but Deontay Hitchcock from Riverdale, Georgia, and his Twitter name is at Deontay, D-E-A-N-T-E-V-H. So make sure you guys follow and shout him out and let him know that the committee podcast said listen to his music. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is a great episode. You guys think? No? I agree. I agree. I I agree. Um, so we're going to let Jay go first, you know, as our guest. Do you have any special shout outs you want to plug in your Instagram, your Twitter pages, however we can uh, listen to some of your beats, you know, hopefully they're tagged up so no one steals from you and try to <laughs> give you $50 and make a multi-million dollar track, but go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Tagged up and uh, copyrighted as well. So all you producers, <laughs> make sure you copyright them. <laughs> but uh, definitely copyright all your stuff. But um, yeah, definitely you can reach me at our, check me out at Mr. J Muse, um, that's on uh, Instagram. I'm not really on Twitter as much, but you can check me out on Instagram. It's Mr. Underscore J Muse, M-U-S-E, J-A-Y. So Mr. Underscore J-A-Y Muse. Um, and then also check out Ballad too. That's one of the artists I work with. Um, you can hear my production on pretty much all of this stuff. Um, not everything, but a lot of the stuff. Um, and that's just uh, B-A, Mr. Love Ballad is his handle on Instagram. So M-R-L-O-V-E, Ballad, B-A-L-L-A-D. Um, and then, um, yeah, check it out. You can check them out. Type in Google. You'll find stuff from them. Um, and uh, I feel like I'm forgetting some, but that's it. <laughs> Thank All you for right. having me. No problem. Thank you for coming out and giving us wisdom, actually, because I learned a lot tonight. <laughs> um, Side, what you got? What's 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 going on on, on your um, um, shout out list? 
Nothing. I'm a shout out. So I'm a shout out to um, my artist Ballot, which Jay is actually a producer for. So I'm going to just do a plug there. He'll probably be on the next um, What's in the Crate segment. Okay. Um, also, shout out to the Mixed Up Review. Um, we've got reviews up. We got a couple of playlists. Speaking of trap music, we got a, a nice little trap, trap bass playlist up there. Um, just put out a a politically charged hip hop playlist today. So make sure you check that out at themixupreview.com. Um, follow me on Summertime Sci, all forms of social media. And yeah, that's about it. Mr. Sniffles, what's that's up? That's all I got. Who are we, who are we shouting Honey's out, Sniffles? Clearly, really clearly we're not shouting out condoms this, this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who needs those? It's usually useless. <laughs> what's the point? Like, do you enjoy sex or not? Like, get rid of those. Wow. Things. Anyways, wow. okay. <laughs> uh, I don't have any real shout outs, but uh, just go to YouTube and type in Ludacris Rap City Freestyles. Okay. Oh, and also, what was the other one? What was the phone? The phone that they did the commercial with uh, the game in it. The next tail trip. Yeah. Yeah. Mobile. That should have been on the album or something. Like, I love yeah, that. Look song. up the Boost Mobile Free. That's a dope ass freestyle. Yeah. Um, for me, Let's see, of course, shout out to Ox DJ. If you make logos and you're listening to this, hit me up on Twitter. It's underscore tribbles. That's two B's and a Z at the end. Um, follow me there. I'm gonna I'm gonna get back active on Twitter. Um, I kind of like I won't say I took a break, but work's been kicking my ass, but I'm back giving you guys what's on my brain in a way that I won't lose my job or get canceled. Um yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Like, I don't have any more shout Shouts to my friends and family, people that I'm, I'm going to force to listen to this. And most importantly, shout out to you guys for listening. And we will catch you guys next week. We out. <laughs>